Greetings, Webcology listeners. The ecosystem of the web marketing world is always changing. Technology, and more importantly, radio is evolving. Introducing the next evolution of radio technology for web marketers, the webmasterradio.fm mobile app for iPhone and Android. Listen live, download new shows daily, and stay connected through our social media network. Download the webmasterradio.fm mobile app in the iTunes Store or in Google Play now. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It is Thursday, the 7th of February, 2013, and this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined as always by Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO, and friends, we have a super tight show today. Coming up in just a few minutes, we have Jeff Ferguson, founder and president of Fang Interactive. He's going to be talking about Google AdWords and Google Enhanced Campaigns, um, Google's big uh, advertising announcements from yesterday. Later on in the show, we have Jennifer Evans Cairo. She's published her second book, this one, Pinterest Marketing, An Hour a Day. She's going to be joining us to talk about Pinterest in the second segment. But, uh, you know, Dave, Jennifer provides us a good segue into one of the first things I want to talk about before we, before we actually get into the meat of the show. You're going to love this. <laughs> you know, Pinterest is uh, going into its second round, I'm sorry, third round of, of venture funding, and it wants to go IPO eventually. Of, of course it does, right? Yeah. It expects to be valued in the 2 to 2.5 billion range when it goes IPO. And it, my, my show notes here say, Q Dave Davies. <laughs> <laughs> two, to, 2 to 2.5 bill, Dave. What do you think? You know what? I, I'm going to go exactly counter to what you probably think. Because I, I know I usually rant about the overvaluations in our industry. Um, and, and, and on the level, like when I compare it with other and I know you're like, oh, I was expecting a a big my big rant from Dave. Is cracked. Oh my goodness! But relative to what's going, on, oh, okay. If we want to go that route, then I actually find this relative to what's going on to be quite a solid valuation for what is effectively a, a very strong social media uh, website with, let's be honest here, a fantastic target demographic um, of users. I mean, this okay. is it's. Um, and I think the opportunities for marketing and turning that into something that could be highly profitable are uh, are quite outstanding. And then you know, you and I have talked about it before. Um, as somebody, you know, if I was looking to invest in, and you said pick a social media property, um, I'd be looking at that one, going, you could actually do this in a you know, in my realm of things. I'm not talking short game, like you know, two weeks to a month kind of thing. But you know, in the foreseeable next couple of years to to bail out. I see acquisition. I think the the valuation is fair, um, and uh, and I I think investors are going to do quite well out of it. Clearly, my crystal ball is cracked. I uh, <laughs> I really thought you were going to go a different way, but you know what? I agree with you on this. I really do. I think um, Pinterest has a very defined audience. Um, it's a new property, so it's it has plenty of room to introduce new features. As we're going to learn in our second segment, there's actually a lot of ways for marketers to use it, and it can drive traffic. So not only is it pretty, it's useful. Um, so yeah, the two two five billion, as as you said, um, given the valuation of social media properties out there, 
um, a less charitable co-host would would interpret what you said as snafu. You know, situation normal, all fouled up. But no, I, th- I think you're, I think you have to given the evaluation of other social media networks out there. This falls in line, more or less. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing, and I mean, in this one, I'm really viewing it because it's not Pinterest isn't at the end game. It's not like Facebook, right, or something which it is what it is, and it needs to now monetize. And and where I can just rag on them, and I do, and and heck, you want to get me riled up? We can talk about Facebook's valuation. Uh, we don't um, have time. But if you look at something like Pinterest, it's not at its end game. It's at its hey, we're hoping to be acquired, or we're hoping to, to monetize. You look at their demographic. This is traditionally people who spend money um, you know, and, and, and have extra money to spend. That's why they have the time to sit and post pictures of you know, their, their favorite food and stuff. i got to be honest, I, I, I don't fit their target demographic. Love Pinterest. Um, I have to avoid it like the plague, otherwise I find myself getting lost for... <laughs> You know, uh, exactly, because there's lots of humorous stuff and, and interesting stuff. But the the opportunities in, inherent in that one, if it was a standalone and you were coming in with this valuation and I wasn't able to put it in context of the enormous overvaluation of Facebook or something, I would have a completely different <laughs> stand, you know, sort of take on things. But when I look at it and go, you'll probably be acquired for way more than that. I can go, yeah, as while I, you know, on the surface, I, you're probably right. I'd go, I, I can't see how you're going to pull enough money out of that to be worth it. But when I look at it and go, you're going to be acquired by somebody for probably two, three times that, if, if not more. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, okay I, I got to well. look and put it in the right context and go, that's, that's what they should be valued at based on what they're going to get, um, you know, a year or two from now for it. Well, one to watch for the future, but you know, friends, stay tuned. We're going to be coming. We're going to be talking about Pinterest marketing towards the end of the show. Um, another one. Oh, actually, you know what? I got I got a great segue into Jeff in just a few minutes. But Search Engine Watch made a really cool announcement late yesterday, and also on uh, Search Weekly earlier today. They got a new writer. You know they who? Do. Uh if you'd asked me like five seconds ago, I would have, and now I'm spacing. So, <laughs> oh, they got her. They got the Lisa. Yeah, Lisa. That, there you go. <laughs> uh, I have, uh, you know, like, I primarily see myself as a writer. That's what I do. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a SEO and a content creator because I'm a writer. Right. You know, and. It's, you know, people get to be writing snobs and stuff. You get to be snobbish about your own stuff, and it happens. It happened to me. But there's one writer who I will stop to read any day of the week. I'll cross the street to read her material. I will cross the continent to read her work if I had to. Lisa Barone, she rocks. She's a brilliant, great, honest, brutal writer. Yeah, one of the things I, I do like, and I think that was a, a great call on their part, one of the first things I thought, and this is sort of to your point as well, um, is I I think like you would read her stuff for the sake of reading it. Um, like there's there's many interesting you know articles out there and, and, and pieces out there where they're interesting for the information that you're getting. Um, and that's great. And that's, you know, we're, we're a tech industry, right? Like a lot of it's pretty dry stuff talking about algorithms and stuff like that. But Lisa does a, an outstanding job of putting things in in a way that makes me enjoy reading the data I'm getting rather than just trying to, to sort of absorb as much information as possible in the like five minutes that I'm going to spend reading that article. Yeah. So I, I, I got to say, um, when, she, when she left Bruce Clay and took the job um, – 
with Outstanding Media, helped found out, um, out, I'm sorry, Outspoken Media, I was pleased because she was still blogging. Mm-hmm. And then she left Outspoken and she, you know, she went quiet for a while and then she joined um, Over It Media, started blogging a little bit, but not as much as she had before. But now she's got a, a, a platform that's outside of her place of employment. <laughs> you know, I think it's <laughs> outside of her place of employment um, where she can be her. And, yeah. um, you know, for, 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 for younger people who are listening who, who weren't in the industry, say, five or six years ago, this is a writer you want to read. Trust me on this. You're going to learn something. Not only that, you're going to learn something about the human side of the, of the search marketing world. Okay, we got to move on. Uh, it's tight. I got a great segue into our first, into our first guest, uh, Jeff Ferguson. Brilliant segue into uh, oh newsflash, which isn't actually a newsflash, but it just got sent to us by studio. Internet Marketing Ninjas has hired Chris Bogues as their chief marketing officer. So Jim Boykin's outfit in Troy, New York, has hired uh, Chris Boggs. That's pretty sad. Okay, that's exciting too. But that you know that's that's super exciting on like a very you know. Personal level, I know Chris well. Really like him. Um, I'm sure you do too, and, and oh, you just can't help Chris. but like the guy. Love Chris; he's a great guy to hang out with. But, yeah, really thing. intelligent. I think that was the, you know uh, we're seeing a lot of this go on right now—a real consolidation of talent. Uh, good yeah, call, Jim. Yeah, at Jim Boykin's <laughs> office. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say it that way, but <laughs> and that's yeah, what he here for me is what boy. What the hell is Boykin doing? You know, I, I know we gotta. Maybe we should have him on the show. <laughs> just ask it, just like that, and let him go off for fifteen minutes. He is up in Toronto uh, on the week on the from the week of uh, March eighteenth to twenty first for Search Marketing Expo Toronto. So, tell you what, I'll put him in a headlock and lock him in a trunk or something, and we'll kidnap <laughs> and bring him on Wikology. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay. Here's our here's our brilliant segue to our to our first guest, Jeff Ferguson. You're gonna love this, dude. I mean, seriously, this is gonna this is gonna hurt your brain. I'm warning you. You're sitting down, right? Uh, I'm not. I, I'm pacing. You don't have coffee in your hand, do you? I'm it's about like, to. Um, Google a who? <laughs> I'm not kidding. As reported by WebPro News and on the Yahoo corporate blog earlier today, Yahoo is throwing Google ads onto certain Yahoo properties and co-branded sites through AdSense and content, AdSense for content and AdMob. Google and Yahoo have struck an advertising deal. Now this takes, you know what, you, you and I have to love this because this takes me back about 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yet 12 years Nine years, six years, and two and a half years. Yeah. And it all comes full circle. Um, now, I, I got to ask, before, before we head in and we'll ask Jeff this, too, do you think this has anything to do with Marissa? I think this has a lot to do with Marissa. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, she, she, she has a certain bias towards Google, and she certainly understands the power of um, their contextual matching machines. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, let's face it, who's got the better inventory? Like all love to Yahoo, all love to Bing, all love to the, uh, the 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 team at Yahoo Search Marketing. But honest to goodness, who's got the better inventory? Yeah, well, that's there. You go. <laughs> so you know, like I, I can see it. I can see it, and I'm glad it's happened. We'll see what we'll. This is a non-exclusive agreement. It has nothing to do with the Yahoo Bing agreement. 
it'll not i mean obviously it's going to enhance yahoo's bottom line because they will see more clicks because the ads will be more relevant because google has a much stronger inventory than they do but you know what we got a guy coming up any second now who can shed light on any question around contextual advertising uh yahoo bing especially google and google's enhanced announcements yesterday um i believe we have him on the line now ready to go so without further ado uh, Jeff Ferguson from Fang Interact. We do not have Jeff on the line yet. We're still trying to reach him. You know what? While Studio is trying to reach Jeff, I want to bring him in immediately because we've got a really tight show. So I think we should take our first commercial break now. It's a little bit early in the show, so I apologize to you know listeners who time, who time their coffee breaks by our breaks on Webcology. Sorry, friends. Um, but on behalf of Dave Davis from Beanstalk SEOs, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Webcology and WebmasterRadio.fm. We're coming back with Jeff Ferguson from Fang Interactive talking about Google's Google Enhanced Advertising Announcement yesterday. Stay tuned, friends. We're back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Ever wondered how you could have access to your own SEO expert, paid search specialist, or social media wizard? Looking for help with your affiliate, display media, or email marketing? Look no further than the folks at Fang Digital Marketing. Fang Digital specializes in both paid and organic search, social media, display, and mobile advertising solutions, and is staffed by industry veterans from Google, Yahoo, and one of the industry's most initial PPC experts. Fang Digital's award-winning staff stays on top of the latest in digital trends and offer tailored solutions so they can audit your progress and build a roadmap to your success. Learn more about their expanding range of full-service strategic marketing solutions at fangdigital.com. That's F-A-N-G digital.com. Discuss and shape the future of performance marketing in New York City, March 12th to the 13th at the Performance Marketing Insights Conference. Come hear from and talk to other global industry leaders as they share how they're developing new revenue streams, deploying the latest technologies, preparing for increased regulation, and leveraging for the most effective digital advertising channels. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners can save 15% on registration by using the promo code WEBMPMI15. That's WEBMPMI15. For more information and to register today, visit PerformanceMarketingInsights.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. This is uh, Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, joined by Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. And we are joined by Jeff Ferguson from Fang Interactive. And uh, just for Webmaster Radio. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Good. 
for uh, for Webmaster Radio listeners, in the future, you're going to be hearing this gentleman's voice more often because he's get, he's starting a monthly show sometime in the near future here on the network. And uh, Jeff, until then, welcome to Webcology. Thank you very much. Always happy to be here with you guys. Well, it's great having you. Um, you've been talking a lot and writing quite a bit about uh, Google's announcement in the last uh, announcement in the last 48 hours, especially Google Enhanced. Um, what is it? What's Google Enhanced? What's what's this Google stuff all about? What's <laughs> <laughs> this Google stuff all about? Well, Google Enhanced specifically. Yeah. Well, first, the Earth Tool. No. Um, uh, so, uh, what Enhanced is, is um, uh, Google kind of taking the opportunity to um, uh, kind of rearrange the way that a lot of their campaign setting works. And, and um, some of the early um, writing that you may have heard about um, in this instance is that they're kind of saying, hey, look, the the days of you um, having kind of options to not do mobile and to not do tablets are gone and, and things like that. And that's, that's technically not the case. Um, it, it's, um, it's more along the lines of that, um, you know, kind of like today in a lot of instances, uh, both mobile and tablets are kind of set as a default. So usually if you're kind of a rookie campaign, uh, rookie AdWords user, a lot of times you were probably doing mobile and, and tablet the entire time without even realizing it. And then, you know, like you'd end up hiring guys like us or, or a variety of people where we come in and say, hey, look, your, your site really isn't that well optimized for mobile or, or a variety of things. And we tell you to turn it off and, or we um, do things like uh, what we call siloing, which is actually to break it into separate campaigns so you can Hi. study it differently and do things like that. And, and um, what they're doing now is basically removing that ability to silo campaigns, at least on the mobile front. So basically they're, they're going to start insisting that your desktop and mobile and tablet campaigns are always going to be kind of in the same silo. And, um, and naturally, that freaked the people uh, people out a lot at, at first because they they really didn't have a ton of details and there wasn't a lot of information around what was this. But um, I know I went through um, like three different calls yesterday with our kind of like our largest clients that are on our client roster um, that have uh, kind of like their own vertical reps with Google. So we had to kind of sit through that call multiple times, and that that gave me plenty of opportunities to kind of go through and just kind of keep um, um, kind of keep beating the Google reps up and know everything who had actually just gotten their training probably like a couple hours before um, mm-hmm. they, they made the announcement yesterday in the first place. So they they were still getting new information and they were still getting things on set. And as it kind of read it, I you know I ended up reading something else or or somebody else would try and put something out and and um, I guess the the, the really big thing that I've noticed that's the, like the big inaccuracy that's coming out is that um, over and over again, and I saw this like in the New York Times this morning and the Wall Street Journal um, and then a couple other postings where the, the, a lot of people are kind of saying, hey, look, Google is forcing mobile down your throat um, even if you don't want to do it. And, and um, that's actually just not accurate at all it, it, the, um, the, because they're, the way that they set it up in this instance is that um, you actually still have a certain amount of control to do things like dial back mobile and dial back tablet use um, with a, a feature they're calling a multiplier, at least at this point. You know, nobody's really got under the hood and kind of see how it works. Um, but the way it's kind of explained to me is is that it's going to work a lot the similar to the way you can do um, kind of like day of the week or time of day bidding uh, right now, uh, which is that you can do things and dial back your bidding or dial back or turn things off entirely. Um, in this case, you won't be able to turn things off entirely, uh, or you, you know, basically say, "Hey, look, we're just going to make a desktop campaign." But it's one of these where, like, you could basically roll that multiplier back um, far enough on both tablet and mobile to where it's 
just not really there anymore. So it's kind of like it, it, it just becomes almost like a zero bid. Um, the, oddly enough, the only place that you won't be able to do that on is desktop. So, which is, so, so, which, yeah, so, so, so which Jeff, I think it's funny because it's, it's just the exact, the exact opposite of what everybody's been saying about this. So. Well, who does this change benefit the most? Does this benefit users? Does this benefit Google? Does it benefit agencies? Um, you know, so on the on the agency front, I mean, I don't think we're seeing the benefit just yet. I mean, it's one of the things where it's something ultimately we're just going to have to get used to in the way this is set up. Uh, you know, the, because of the, I mean, we're at Fine Digital, we're big fans of using kind of like the siloing strategy for a lot of things, and and. Um, you know, this kind of changes that up, at least on the device side of the fence. Um, you know, they're going to do the same thing on the geography side, and, and um, but you'll still be able to do uh, geography silos, and you'll still be able to do, like, network silos and things like that. We work for that hasn't changed, but the... Um, but it's one of these where it's just stuff we're going to have to relearn. It's stuff we're going to have to get used to. There's going to be new, uh, you know, new dials, new you know levers to, to move and everything like that. So on our side, it, it doesn't certainly look like a plus for us. But it's one of these where hopefully in the long run it ended up helping out. Um, on the on the actual advertiser side itself, I mean, what they're uh, I think the the big thing is, is and this is. Uh, this is kind of a funny thing to say, but it's one of the things where um, I know dealing with a lot of my clients and the fact that we do so many audits and things like that where people, like different clients, get in their head and basically say, hey, look, we just don't want to be mobile or we don't want to be this or we don't want to be like that. And they make these really hardcore decisions without really knowing whether or not that would be of a benefit to them. Um, and, and so there's plenty of times where you go, well, why aren't you doing mobile or why aren't you doing tablets? And they go, oh, we just don't want to do it. And in this case, it's almost like because you'll you'll kind of start off that way, and you may have to make some decisions to kind of dial it back or dial it up. Um, you may, you know, you probably inadvertently try and mobile and tattle it a lot more than you probably would in the first place, and that may actually um, end up giving you a lot more audience than than you had before without even kind of realizing it. And but the you know the only difference is, is that you'll kind of have to back it up uh, as you do it, you know, whether or not it sucks or not. So, and. Uh, Everybody, everybody says it's one of the things where it's like, oh, it's just going to benefit Google, and they add. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. Of course think so. it is. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, uh, it's Google. It's kind of, it's kind of hard to say one way or the other because, it, like I said before, you know, like uh, having mobile and tablet on was always the default before, and and you know, so since so much of Google's um, revenue comes from small businesses that don't have an agency managing it or a variety of other things or people that just don't even bother, like, reading up to it. People were kind of being forced in the mobile and uh, tablet anyway without even realizing or just because they didn't bother to change their settings. So it's, uh, you know, I'd I, I, be interesting to see, like, when, when the dust settles, which is uh, this will, people will be forced to start doing it this way, like, in June. It'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see, like, what that what the next quarter and what the quarter after that's revenue is, whether or not they really actually see a, a big significant jump in revenue or whether or not it's just going to pretty much be the same and, you know, it's just that everybody's going to have to learn how to handle it a new way. Well, now, wouldn't you say, and, and uh, you know, I know we've got, uh, and Jim's got a bunch of questions, and, and so do I, so we'll, we'll try and you know, keep this one as brief as possible, because it's just sort of a side note, but um, do you think, I mean, one of the big complaints that you're outlining, and I, I think as, as especially as you point out, sort of a, a novice user coming in, um, one of their big complaints is, is you know, this is going to be harder. What if I just want to do one and not the other? As you point out, it is doable essentially to you know just do desktop without mobile. But shouldn't maybe users be taking this as a signal that hey, if you don't have a mobile site, 
start paying attention, like Google's doing this, they're doing it not just for their own bottom line, but at the end of the day, we need to take this as a signal to an entire change in the way marketing and, and search is functioning. Shouldn't users more be taking this as a signal to, yeah, you need to get this done now? Um, because Google's oh, making it mandatory because of the environment, so go from there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, it's certainly cute in that way, and it, it's really, um, you know, I, I was kind of put the old way. There used to be this old, like, Irish tale where the idea were that, um, you know, like, people lived in this area and they were surrounded by water, and, and um, they never, never had any reason to kind of cross over into that, uh, on the other side of the, the water. And then one day a guy threw his hat on the other side over there, and, and, um, and then it forced him to kind of go over there and explore the rest of the world. And in this case, Google's kind of doing the same thing where, in this case, because they're, uh, they're throwing your hat on the other side of the fence and making you look at mobile and making you look at tablets and a variety of other things. Um, you're gonna you're gonna have to make this decision, and it's probably one of the instances where you know uh, I, I don't necessarily think Google is gonna like necessarily make more money um, selling more mobile advertising or more tablet things. I think it's one of the things where the the people that do mobile websites. Um, might actually be the ones that benefit the most because people are going to have to go. Great, we're we're finally going to have to get our act together on this front and, um, and get this site done. Uh, yeah, so it's and that's that's a good thing because that's something that so many people are just just oblivious about. I mean, and it's you know it, it's pretty funny that a lot of people don't, especially if you're in the local business and you don't have a mobile thing set up. Uh, that that's just a big miss. And uh, so it's hopefully it's just going to get people to go. Okay, fine, I'll do it. We're uh, Jeff. We're entering a transition period. Uh, we're we're we're. I shouldn't say we're entering. We're smack dab in the middle, maybe even towards the far end of the transition period between desktop and mobile devices. Now, creating a landing page for a desk for a desktop device or a laptop, a, you know, a traditional computing device, that's one. Mm-hmm. Creating landing pages for 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 mobile search or for tablet search, that's that's something quite different. Is this going to force um, change in in the uh, philosophy around landing pages? Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's something where um, I actually, I mean, I really hope it does. I mean, it's bound to happen anyway, just because um, you know so many more people will be doing mobile, and, and there's plenty of great there's fantastic solutions out there. I mean, we use one at Trang Digital um, to where you know it, it fairly automatically will take an existing site and make it into a, a mobile friendly site, and, and and it looks great actually in a lot of instances. Uh, there's plenty of plugins for WordPress. There's all kinds of things that will kind of just do it for you. Um, so that's kind of like the first step of it. But I think what this will really do, and, and kind of to your point, is that um, it'll force people to say, "Hey, look, I think we need to look at this a little bit more than just the band-aid setting of making sure that it, it doesn't suck." And take it to the next level and say, hey, look, we actually need to optimize this and make it really work for us um, in that kind of sense so that it's actually doing everything we need to do as, as one of the channels that our business um, is drawing traffic and drawing, you know, driving revenue. Um, so it, it, I think that will just kind of force a real sea change on people. And it's a very necessary one. It's, it's you know, we, we may be drugged into it kicking and screaming, but it's something that needed to happen. Indeed. Uh, sorry, you know, I'm getting a instant messages from Darren, the owner of Webmaster Radio, SE Guru on the side. Um, <laughs> and you know, it totally blew my Tim Ash and a Speedo joke. I had that all lined up, too. So I'm thinking about landing pages and, and landing page optimization and about how things are just getting you know smaller for the small screen. But when we think about mobile and we think about like tablets – 
I think we need to also yeah. think about the changing environment. Um, Facebook, Google Plus, uh, Twitter, and Pinterest, uh, social is. I guess the question to you, uh, Jeff, is: Are some of these changes being driven by the rise of social media? Um, I, I know I it's, it's a side question because Google because Google yeah. doesn't actually have you know a stake in uh, in Facebook or in, uh, in in Twitter or anything. But is there a connection to the rise of social media here? Um, I think it's definitely part of the equation. I mean, it gets um, you know, and they, they've got their own. Um, kind of contribution to the social side of things, and and um, um, yeah, I read a few things yesterday where people were saying that that was a, a bigger influence on this decision than others, and and um, I, I guess I can see that, but we're uh, if it is, it, it, it hasn't completely flushed itself out just yet. It, it's you know, there's there may be grander strategies in, in play that I don't think all of us are aware of, but at this point, I, I think it's just simply more part of the puzzle than it is than it is. Um, the final image of the puzzle. I have a just. This is just off the t- off the top of my head, but it's something that's been been sort of bothering me. So I, I'm going to ask somebody who you've obviously researched this area. Uh, a little off topic here, but we're talking about mobile. We're talking about tablets. We're talking about desktop. Responsive design. Now we're we're talking about customizing landing pages and things like that. Uh, one of the fundamental problems I like I like responsive design for for the ease of implementation and, and that sort of thing, obviously. Um, but it doesn't give you that customization. What, what's your instinctive feel on responsive design templates and and websites? Uh, is that the direction that that the web will end up be heading for? You know, in, in light of sort of some of the moves of Google's. You know, as we're talking about the Google's doing and things like that, where you, you're needing. Um, these mobile presences, or could this be a, a sort of problematic situation where we go, oh, okay, now my site works in mobile, um, and, and treating that as a big glut, but not actually addressing the specific needs of, of different types of devices? Um, you know, that's right. So I, I, I like responsive design and concept, and I, and, I, and I love it when it works because it is that idea that, hey, look, there's, you're, you're, thinking, you're thinking about the website in a very holistic manner, where it's not just a matter of like, hey, look, it, it looks fantastic um, in a in a standard browser and like this, and um, and to the point where you're going, all right, let's let's make sure that these pieces all fit together when it goes to tablet and when it goes to mobile and a variety of the things. And and um, because I mean, I'm sure you've done it. and There's plenty of uh, you know testers out there. We kind of say, hey, look, our site looks fantastic, but it looks dead ugly when it goes in the mobile format or a variety of the things, or where it's just too small or whatever it is. And and so it, it's. It's a great um, way of thinking. I think where it kind of falls apart is where some of the solutions I've seen for responsive design, um, when they start kind of tetrising things together, it, it just it just becomes a real mess and more of a mess than having like a lap version or or other ones that are that are kind of like a redirect version of of the site like a lot of other people are using is over the kind of that M dot version of things and and uh, so it's. It, I, I don't think um, I don't think responsive design is the is the last step. I think it's a just a stepping stone in the matter until we get this um, sorted out and how to and how to figure it out along the lines. But it's it, at least it's again it, it, I think it's a step in the right direction and it's a step in in order for uh, for people to think about this idea that hey look we do need to think about this holistically and not just silo things down to where the site just looks good on a desktop. So it's, and that's 
Um, designers have been trying to do that for uh, for a long time, but it, it usually wasn't on a device standpoint. It was more along the lines of like, hey, let's make sure it looks it looks great in every browser, every type of browser. And uh, but now I think it's a matter of like, hey, you're just there's just going to be too many venues, and and um, you just need to make, make sure that it doesn't. <laughs> it at the very least it doesn't fall apart, but hopefully it it, uh, it looks fantastic on, on mobile or whatnot. So. Way cool, uh, Jeff. I'm afraid we have to leave it there. We have. Um Jennifer Evans Cairo coming up right after you, and then we have a news break coming up, and we're running out of time much faster than uh, much faster than we want to. Um, before we go, M dot, isn't that an old Hanson song? <laughs> or a Jonas Brothers song or something? Okay, Jeff Ferguson, thank you so much from Fang Interactive. Thank you so much for spending time with us on Web College today, dude. I'm looking forward to seeing you at SMX Toronto, uh, March 18th to 21st in Toronto, Ontario. Until then. Until then, Jeff, thank you so much. I also look forward to hearing your show up, uh, your upcoming show on Webmaster Radio. Friends, that was Jeff Ferguson, Fang Interactive. Um, we got to take a break here on, on Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. We're going to be coming back after these messages with Jennifer Evans Cairo talking about Pinterest, how an hour a day will make you money on Pinterest. Stay tuned. Sit tight and don't move. Ecology. We'll be back after this short break. Clear. This is how you sell with social. Have you tried to do CPA conversions using social PPC and failed? You're not alone. These days, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube require true specialists to dominate. Aim Clear, the agency, brings definitive psychographic targeting, bleeding edge creative, and killer content amplification to the social advertising table. Aim Clear. This is how you sell with social. Aim Clear. This is how you sell with social. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. WebmasterRadio.fm has compressed thousands of podcasts and all of our radio shows into the ultimate internet marketer's knowledge base. Introducing the new WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, absolutely free and now available for iPhone and Android users. Listen to our live broadcasts at the push of a button or access our complete archive of shows, past and present, like SEO 101, Affiliate Buzz, The Shoe Money Show, The Daily Searchcast, and so much more. Read through our blog for continuous industry news and programming updates and socialize with us through all of our social media channels, including Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and YouTube. Download the new WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, a must-have for every internet marketer on Earth. Download it now from the iTunes Store or the Google Play Store today. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Webmasterradio.fm. 
It's uh, We're rounding out the show. We're not going to be taking another break until the news hour. So let's get right into it. We have on the phone Jennifer Evans Cario. I was uh, corrected. I was mispronouncing her name. It's not Cario. It is Cario. Um, Jennifer Evans Cario, who has published her second book. This one, Pinterest, an hour a day. Uh, the Pinterest marketing, an hour a day. Um She's joining us to talk about how to, well, how to understand and beneficially use Pinterest. Jennifer, welcome to Webcology. It's great having you on the air. Hey, thanks. It's great to be here. (laughs) Now, I think a lot of people love Pinterest because it shows them beautiful pictures, beautiful images, stuff that other people are interested in. But I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive that a lot of marketers, myself included, don't know how to use it properly. I'd say that's probably true. I think some of that happens because you're you're a man. If you were a woman, you would intrinsically have a better idea of how to use it and how to market through it. I'm just saying, not to get I'm all not, sexist here. But, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree you know, with you. I'm not gonna disagree know, with that's you at true. all. Um, honestly from the from the marketing perspective, the thing that I the thing that I have found catches marketers' eyes the fastest when I start to have conversation with them about it is even if you don't get it from the direct traffic perspective, which it does have some very good direct traffic perspective. If you think of it as sort of an online visual focus group that you can look at and that you can do research both for your site and your competitor sites, that's where a lot of marketers start to go, oh, wait, I didn't think of that. I didn't realize I could use it that way. So the wonderful thing is you can go into Pinterest and you can look at these really popular Pinterest boards that are about topics related to what your customers are interested in or to what you offer. Or you can even go and run searches on Pinterest for the topics you know they're interested in. And it's not about doing the same research on Google where we have to click through, read the results, see what it's about. You're at a glance looking at pictures that are making crystal clear what people are obsessed with or focused on or interested in in any specific area. So you can even go in and let's say you know, if you're an e-commerce site, you can go in and run a search for one of your higher level competitors to see what's being pinned from their website and it's going to tell you what do people have the most amount of interest in that's on another site. So from that perspective alone, it opens up the door to a lot of marketers to say, oh, wait a second, maybe I need to take another look at this and see how I can work it in. Now, I, I'm going to jump in. Uh, I'll note, I do not at all even kind of fit the standard demographic <laughs> of Pinterest users, but I will say, uh, I love it. I have to avoid going there <laughs> because I, yes. I, I will lose an hour of my life to it. Uh-huh. Um, but, but uh, you know, an awesome thing. But like Jim, probably a little limited on how do I market there because you're right. I, I don't fit the demographic of who I'm who I'm marketing to, um, but when you're talking about using it for you know sort of data collection, right, getting an understanding, um, and, and assuming that you know, for example, you know your competitors might be wrong, but you're you know you're dealing with repins, you're dealing with what real people like, but they might not have put up their stuff. Um, you know your opportunities, as I see it, and please correct me if I'm wrong. You, you're certainly more, much more of an authority than I am in this in this area. The opportunity in in Pinterest, and I've noted it from my own experiences, there is things tend to to spread out much faster than say trying to rank on Google, right? On on Google Image or or whatnot. Can you get a, a good feel based on what other people are pinning of yours quicker, and maybe use that to affect your your SEO. Of course, I'm a traditional SEO, so I, I look at that and go, "Hey!" And if they're repinning stuff, I know to make these categories a higher, you know, a stronger presence in our site. 
um, is that, or are the demographics completely wrong? What people like visually may be different um, than, than what they like in, in more traditional forms. No, actually, I've, I've seen a very strong correlation between the content that people want to see on a site and the content that they're pinning. For example, I've got one content site that I use for testing purposes, and we had about five different topics that we were covering on it. And when we looked at the Pinterest traffic and the Pinterest activity, so not just what's coming in, but what's getting the repins, we found that two of our categories that we weren't putting a lot of focus on were really getting a lot of activity and a lot of traffic. In fact, those areas, even though they had about a third the content as the other topics, were getting twice the traffic. So we were able to say, okay, let's stop focusing on you know topic X that's not getting much activity. It's not getting much traffic. People clearly aren't interested in it. Let's put that time and effort towards these other topics. You know, let's go with Y and Z for them. And by putting more content out in that area, we could play off that existing Pinterest audience that was already there and had shown they were interested. Plus, we could pick up more pins, more traffic, and get a lot more people coming into the site. And we saw a really big boost in our traffic and in time on site and conversions to followers once we made some of those changes. Now, one of my big problems in understanding Pinterest as a, as a marketing venue is my entire career has, all been, has been about control. <laughs> controlling the user, controlling the click, influencing where their eyes might land on a page. Mm-hmm. And when I look at Pinterest, I feel like as a marketer, I'm ceding a lot of control to the user, and that makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> How far off base am I? Hey, hey, are you familiar with social media at, at all? Oh, but I, I, I mean, I know you are. You, you, you've seen me in social media, Jen. I, I know how to control people there. What? I can do people. And you mightn't like it, but it works. Okay. <laughs> yeah. To an extent. But, you know, let's, let's put Pinterest on the same, same line as Twitter. But let's add that visual component to it. Because really, that's what it's going to line up the closest to is Twitter. You know, think about the fact that with, with Twitter, if you're putting content out there, or even if other people are talking about you on Twitter, someone gets up and goes for a cup of coffee, they've missed the conversation. Right? It's, it's gone. The competition for attention is huge. And that same thing is happening on Pinterest because you don't know for sure that you're going to get the content that you pin or that someone pins from your site, that it's going to make it to that category page and get the mass exposure. And even if it does, it's going to be gone in like 30 or 40 seconds when the next person hits load on the page. So it's a very high competition for attention. And obviously that does give us you know, some challenge in the control realm. But at the same time, like Twitter, because it's so easy to get the content out there, it's so easy for people to retweet or to repin, you know, or to turn around and share it again, it's got longevity. So I think that's what, you know, David mentioned is that it's not, you know, it's not just there for that moment. You can get a really big impact, but you can also get a long-term impact. So when we look at the traffic patterns that come in from Pinterest, they don't spike and then vanish like we see from, you know, some of the social bookmarking sites or, you know, Reddit or Dig back in the day, they spike and then they drop off and then they spike not quite as high and then they drop off and they do this roller coaster thing because as they start to vanish, someone that has a big following will spot it and repin it or pin it for the first time and then their whole audience finds it and repins it and it starts rolling again. So we see okay, very so, – So given happens. that, given that, can you predict – Pinterest traffic? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's some honesty. <laughs> I'm not even going to 
pretend on that. No, I have, I have put out what's, it's, it's like, it's like writing content. And Jim, you know, this, you can Mm. spend a week writing just a completely killer blog post. That's super in-depth. It's amazing. And put it out there and it's just, yeah, except people are like, whatever. And then you can have that idea that sparks in your head. And 20 minutes later, you have a blog post up on the site. And what does it do? People go crazy with it, and it's everywhere. And that same thing happens on Pinterest. I mean, there are things we can do to increase the chances, you know, that we know will help it. But it's like anything else that's going to go viral. You know, all you can do is put your best effort ahead, but the the audience, people there on any given day are going to decide what hits and what doesn't. Now, you you noted uh, just right in the in the title of the book, an hour a day. Okay, this is this is a lot of time for for a lot of people, especially business owners, to to invest a full hour of every day um, in Pinterest. What do you do with this hour? Well, for the book, it's not so much me telling you that you've got to do it an hour a day. It's an hour a day to learn the marketing. So the book structure and the chapter structure is set up so that you're saying, I'm going to sit down for an hour with this book. I'm going to spend some time. I'm going to invest in learning. And over the course of, you know, we say an hour a day, but I don't know how many days that works out to. I actually don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) 15. Yeah, I should probably know that. It's probably like 15 or 16. Uh, But anyway, the point is, people can get in and learn how to use it. For the actual going in and doing your Pinterest marketing, I don't spend more than 10 minutes a day on Pinterest. I mean, it, it's not that much. And I can do it. And usually I'm doing it from my phone. So I'm waiting in line somewhere. Or I'm doing something. And I'm doing most of my Pinterest activity from my phone. Now, obviously, if, you know, it's like Twitter. You can have more activity or less activity. But what I suggest people do is they need to decide up front – Do you want to be a content creator for Pinterest or do you want to be a content curator for Pinterest? Mm -hmm. And that's one of those key differences we see with Pinterest as opposed to some of these other channels. You know, if we think about YouTube, Facebook or blogging, you have to create a lot of content to really make a strong impact, right? But if we're talking about Pinterest, again, it becomes like Twitter. You can create a very good following by curating other people's content and by becoming that go-to person to come in and get information. And if your focus is on that, you build up enough of a following and enough credibility that on the rare instances that you share your own content, you're still going to get a really big impact off of it. And that's the thing that gives Pinterest a lot of potential is that you can do that curation and save the things you're looking at all day anyways and just occasionally throw your stuff in. Now, what would be, a, and, and we all do it, and I, I love your 10-minute-a-day analogy. Unfortunately, I'll get like George Takai, and then that just sends me off. And I, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and speaking you know, of, of somebody like George Takai, on your, your corporate wall, on the wall that you're actually trying to, to sort of promote as, as your presence on Pinterest, how important is it to get into the non-commercial side of things? So repinning stuff that's just humorous or entertaining or interesting, hopefully to your target demographic, but really providing an overall experience or should it be more of a, a corporate experience? No, Pinterest needs to very much be supportive content for your brand or for your product. It's not the hard sell. 
Um, one of the best examples of companies that I see marketing on Pinterest is Chobani, the Greek yogurt company. And what they do is they have all these boards that they curate where they go out and look for people that are posting recipes where they're using the different Chobani products. And then they're pinning all of these recipes into the various boards. So again, they're curating content. They're curating someone else's content. They're not you know, going to the test kitchen and making all these recipes themselves. But it supports their brand because it gives that reminder, hey, you don't just have to buy this to eat for breakfast in the morning straight out of the container. Here's all the other uses for it, which gives people reason to go out and buy more product. So it's a very soft sell, but it's also a very good fit for the environment. And again, it falls into that curation route instead of the content curation route. Okay, well, Jennifer, we're down to five minutes, so I guess we got a couple rapid-fire questions. You mentioned Shibani's doing it right. Um, can you think of another large brand that people just love out there who's doing it right with Pinterest? Uh, let's see. Uh, Wayfair does wonderful things, and ModCloth um, both have really good reputations on Pinterest, some really cool stuff going on with them, um, and Etsy. And Etsy is fantastic with all social media, but Etsy does great with Pinterest. And then probably the last one I'd throw out there would be Daily Gromit. And if you go and run some searches on Google for, you know, Daily Gromit on Pinterest, you'll find a lot of stories and some of the creative ways they're using it to decide what products to actually release. Okay, we're, we're into our final five. So without giving away the book, um, you know, what are, what are your top three? These are things you've got to do at Pinterest. Um, you have to have good pictures. Have to, have to, have to. Learn how to take good pictures or invest in someone taking good pictures. Um, know your audience so that you know what you're creating out there. And then make sure you're segmenting your content. The great thing about Pinterest is people can follow a single board. They're not signing on to get everything you create. So you have a lot more potential to reach very different audiences very specifically without isolating anyone. Now, I'm going to ask a sort of quasi-strategy question here, and, and I know we've only got a couple minutes, but there, there's sort of two routes I, c I can see going if you want to get one of your products onto Pinterest. So it, once you actually have people who are pinning your stuff, say, from your site or, or whatnot, would you be better off, and it may be in this case, this, this case, that, would you be better off to, say, pin your thing straight to your board? Or if you know that you have users who are in there, would, it, would you be better served to wait until one of your more prominent users has already pinned it and then repin theirs to your board. Which, which route would you go? I think it's always ideal to have someone else sharing your content and then to make mention of the fact that someone has shared your content. So I want the influencers to pin, and then I, as the brand, will happily repin it. Okay, this is another strategy question I'm going to throw in. Remember what happened with Dig? Either you know, people came up with, like, we'll redig you, the re we'll redig each other club. Yes. Is there any worries about such gaming happening on Pinterest? Oh, I'm sure it already is. I have no doubt it already is. Just like there are <laughs> when I was doing the book and I talked to the top pinners because I was getting, you know, advice from them on how to be a great pinner and they're already all getting contacted by companies saying how much do we have to pay you to get you to pin our stuff. So, it's happening. It it's again social media. It will always exist. All right. No, I, I know we're in our in our final salvos. Pinterest being valued over two billion, um, in, in you know as they head into their into their next round of funding, fair valuation or or is it inflated or or do you view it as as too low? I think it's a fair valuation just because consider the amount of data Pinterest is gathering on individual people about what they like, where they go, and what matters most to them. Overlay that with the relationships and the data owned by someone like Facebook or someone like Google, and you have a gold mine for marketing. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing a show on uh, on internet privacy and on the just the sheer amounts of information we give away. Um, do you know anything about uh, Pinterest privacy policy? Are they protecting their users? Um, should one feel safe there or should one feel exposed? Um, I think one should feel like they do on any other social media site. Wording from the lawyers is always going to give enough protection that they can pull off almost anything they want. Okay. We're down to our final minute. Jen? We'd be absolutely remiss if we didn't plug the book. We've <laughs> got to plug the book because, well, you wrote it. Um, Pinterest, Pinterest Marketing, an hour a day. Where can people find this? Um, they can find it on Amazon and get it ordered immediately, or they can go into Barnes & Nobles, and if they don't have it on the shelf, they can go to customer service and shake someone by the shoulders and say, order more copies. Okay, tell, tell the truth. Have you taken your kids to Barnes & Noble to make sure they sort of see mom's book on the shelf? You know, I haven't because I've got a stack of like 20 copies here from the publisher, and my son was so excited when he – I can't believe you wrote that. I was like, oh, I'm cool. My kid thinks I'm cool. All right. So I haven't gone looking for it yet. Christmas gifts for all the teachers. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> There's only 11 left at Amazon. Really? Yeah, I'm on the page, so people better hurry. Good. Go buy them now. Oh, how can you sell out at Amazon? Really? Oh, <laughs> I thought they just printed. A- wow. Congratulations. That's incredible. See, you don't use Amazon, so you don't know how this works. No, I don't know how this works. I am uh... I'm old. Yeah, that's how it goes. And, you know, I, I, I'm afraid I do know how this works. We are out of time. It happens to us every week. Jennifer Evans Cario, thank you so much for spending time with us on the, on the show today. It's a delight to have you here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Friends, that was Jennifer, Jennifer Evans Cario. You really want to read her book, Pinterest Marketing an Hour a Day. Go to Amazon, like, now. Um, and if not, There'll be more there later, I'm sure. Um, or go to Barnes & Nobles or any fine bookstore. Friends, you've been listening to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. we got some amazingly good content coming up on webmasterradio.fm. Starting with the news, uh, we'll, be, we'll be back at this time next week. Stay tuned, friends. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.